0: This is a Healthier Michigan Podcast, Episode 52. Coming up, we discuss some of the best and worst foods for our teeth. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and our well-being through small healthy habits we can start right now. And we wanna do that. I'm your host, Chuck Gaetica. Every other week we sit down with a certified health expert from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, and we dive into topics covering nutrition and fitness and wellness and a whole lot more. In this episode, we're gonna talk about foods that are good and foods that may be bad for our teeth. With me today is Dr. Lisa Knowles. She actually started off thinking about mass communications and was involved in chemistry as an undergrad and then went to U of M School of Dentistry. She's the dental director of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan now and also a board of trustee member of the Michigan Dental Association. Dr. Knowles, it's good to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Chuck. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, you know, we don't really think, uh, I, I shouldn't say we, I don't really think about how much impact foods have on our health. And I know we're navigating out of this very strange time in our world, right, where we sort of have to use common sense about when it's good to come back to see our doctor, our dentist, and when we need to wait for you to give us input about when it's good to come back to our dentist's office, etc. But this is an everyday thing that we can think about now, how food plays such an important role in our oral health and really our overall health, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and sure, and this this is a great example of a time that prevention and eating well and really taking care of our bodies is super important. So we're not ending up having emergency care at this time when you really don't want to have emergency care. So it's good timing that I think we can go over some information for people to just Holding their thoughts, you know, on an everyday basis.
0: Because, you know, coming out of this time, I've been eating a lot of Oreo cookies and 2% milk. So that's probably <laughs> not good for my teeth. I'm just saying, you know, the, the 2% milk cancels out the cookies, but that, that probably <laughs> doesn't make sense to a doctor like you, does it?
1: I think, um, you know, there's a lot of stress eating potentially going yeah. on right now yeah. and probably not the best purchases of people thinking right. they're going to be needing some of their vices right now. So I would say caution on that, as always, in moderation on those some of those sugary things in particular.
0: Well, I'm making fun of myself, you know, because uh, it doesn't matter when or where the news of the day or some kind of thing stresses you out. But a poor diet itself can lead to poor dental hygiene. Give us the connecting points here. And there are so many things, that, like a cascade, can fall. You know, that can lead to gum disease, tooth decay. But talk about this idea of a poor diet. What does that mean as it's relative to our dental health?
1: Sure. Um, One of the things obviously I deal with, and I'm still practicing as well, and what I see is cavities. Everybody's familiar with cavities. And Mm -hmm. so cavities are the small holes in teeth made by when we have sugar and a bacteria in our mouth combine and form an acid and create the holes in our teeth. So that's why we as dentists and dental hygienists in the dental profession are always emphasizing cleaning the plaque, which has all the bacteria off your teeth and in between your teeth with brushing, flossing, or interdental cleaners, as well as limiting some of the foods that can cause cavities as well as sugary things. There's foods that are erosive that can be, you know, almost damaged, or you can think of it kind of almost melting away some of the enamel. There's also some systemic things that can cause uh, problems with uh, your teeth like acid reflux and you know gastrointestinal issues mm. that you know then it creates more of an acidic environment in your mouth. So some of the foods we eat can cause some of the acid reflux. So you might be having really acidic Foods that are not agreeing with you. Maybe they're sugary too. And then you get acid reflux. So you're kind of doing a double whammy on your mouth and from a health standpoint. So, you know, that's where we see a, a lot of issues come up in dentistry where we're repairing cavities and even periodontal disease, which is a bone loss uh, around the teeth. The teeth might be okay from a cavity standpoint, no holes, nothing's breaking, but the bone mm-hmm. is breaking down around the teeth. And and there's a decent amount of research now showing that. Our diet helps keep our bone healthy as well, so there's no question that what you eat is affecting you know, your teeth and your body. So it's you know being conscious of that uh, in a very difficult world full of so many yummy and unnutritious foods that um, it's hard to be so disciplined to not have all that sometimes.
0: Well, if there's one thing I've learned from all of our podcasts, and what are we now, episode 52, it's that there is so much salt and sugar packed into foods on the go, right? I mean, that's the easy got to grab it, got to go kind of thing. And it's the sugar that's hidden in a lot of foods. The stuff we kind of know, I mean, we know not to get the Biggie Cokes and drink five of them a day, you know. I mean, that's not good for your teeth, and then you've got all the the acidity in there. But stuff that, to me, is kind of stealth that flies under the radar, milk itself has got a lot of sugar that can impact dental health, right? So I remember a long time ago when we were raising our kids, people said, don't put a baby bottle. If you've switched to cow's milk, don't put a baby bottle in your baby's mouth and just think, you know, your toddler's mouth, that that's going to be something that will babysit them because it affects their teeth. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense, but I never thought of that.
1: Right. And, you know, the the lactase in that is the form of sugar in milk. And we try to emphasize that all the time. So if a child or baby is going to go to bed with a bottle, then it should only have water in it. And um, I don't, you know, you you think you don't see it too often anymore, but yet it crops up. I've seen it several times throughout my career. Have you? Yeah. And it's, it's like, Oh, just, and I'll tell you what, the parents are so sad and everybody is so sad. The child has cavities. The parents feel like they've wronged their child because they didn't know. So you're right. I mean, it's those little subtle things like, White milk that you would think would be, you know, in one aspect, it's good because you're getting calcium, and milk is a good, you know, way to get calcium in our diets, Mm -hmm. but in excess or left overnight. That's the thing about a lot of sugary foods and beverages. You mentioned sodas. It's the frequency of having that. So if you're a soda sipper or a juice sipper, potentially your risk goes up much more than if you have a juice with lunch or a soda with you know dinner or something. It's the how often as well as how much. So I'm not advocating sodas by any means, but you know, those are some ways to minimize the risk to your teeth and the damage to your teeth is to keep it with a meal and try not to be sipping on things. Same with sweeteners, sweetened coffee, things like that. We see, Mm -hmm. you know, cavities, somebody is trying to nurse along a cup of coffee all morning long with cream and sugar. And then, you know, all of a sudden, they they can't figure out why they started getting cavities. And so literally, I'm back to my investigative journalism chalk, like I'm (laughs) using those skills from undergraduate, trying to figure out why are people getting cavities. And sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to figure that out until we really break down people's diets, kind of do a diet analysis, figure out what they're eating, or drinking or habits and to help us figure out you know why they having
0: problems. Well, you know, I'm getting this mental picture as you're speaking about this idea of having a cup of coffee or two or, you know, drinking pops through the day and you're kind of bathing your teeth. I mean, I've never really thought about until I'm listening to what you're saying about how this is just a constant bath of sugary stuff in a way that's hitting your teeth. So, your advice would be then if I am going to grab a cookie or a little sweet something, something, do it while I'm still in the midst of a meal. In other words, don't be doing the snackaholic stuff in between because then you're really just giving your teeth a shot of sugar.
1: Absolutely. And it kind of, it has to do with our saliva. Because our saliva helps neutralize those sugary situations, our mouth becomes acidic when we have food, and saliva is more of a basic neutralizer. Mm. So if we keep sipping, we never really give our saliva a chance to neutralize the mouth. And so it just kind of stays in that acidic state, and then that just creates more, you know, activity for cavities to form. So it's all about that. And, you know, we can talk more about saliva later too, but it's, you know, really important. And that's why someone who has maybe some type of, of cancer treatment and they've had, you know, salivary glands removed or something's not working quite right. And with their salivary glands, they have a hard time fighting cavities because it's that important.
0: Yeah, that's okay. That's really interesting as well, because you're talking about things that are so common sense. For instance, chewing sugarless gum versus gum that has sugar. Now, if you were to talk to my eight-year-old brain, I would tell you that the sugar in regular sugared gum goes away really fast, but it isn't really gone right? I mean, adapting some minor changes?
1: No, it gets stuck in some spots. Yeah. And so definitely sugarless gum is my recommendation. Not only does it kind of get rid of some of the plaque that might be stuck on the teeth, but it also stimulates your saliva production. So you are kind of helping. But if you have sugared gum all the time, then you're just kind of inoculating your mouth with a bunch of Sugary Uh things, and then it has to, the saliva has to work again to try to recorrect that, neutralize that out. And, you know, a lot of people are taking medications now, and one of the biggest side effects of medication is something called xerostomia, but the layman's term for that is just a dry mouth. So, with a lot of people taking, you know, antihypertensives and different types of medications, They might see that, well, it's xerostomia. Well, that's a dry mouth. And so you are at more risk when you take these medications that have a side effect of this And so, again, that's contributing or can be a contributor to an increased cavity rate.
0: So is a good point here to talk about drinking more water then? Obviously, that's good for your overall health, but flushing your mouth out just because? Because you're drinking water.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm always an advocate. Drink all that water. As a dentist, I struggle personally just to stay hydrated enough because we're so busy. You know, We're hopping Mm -hmm. from patient to patient, and then it's noon, and I think, oh, my gosh, I haven't drunk a drop of water. It's so important for us. And if you are having some sugary beverages and you can't go in there, brush and floss or sugary foods or anything, then at least rinse your mouth out, sure, with water. But I will just throw in there, too, that you could be the best brusher, flosser, mouth rinser with water but a lot of that, you know, that bacteria thing still harbors on our tongues and the back of our throats, on our cheeks, you know, in between our teeth where we thought we got, but we didn't. So some of it's the, the environment in the mouth, you know, we just can't eliminate everything, even though we brush and floss. And I see that so many of my patients are so disappointed because they'll say, but I floss, but I brush. And like, I know, but you're still having a lot of these sugary things. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't, counteract that enough just because you have that and you brush and floss doesn't mean you won't be susceptible to cavities it's truly the you have to brush and floss and get in between your teeth and not have so many sugary things
0: so i have to tell you this and share that i didn't get my first cavity until i was 40 and i go to the dentist and i didn't know i had one and he said oh you tend to have little pits in your teeth you know you see people like that and this one turned into a cavity and he looks at me and he says to me um Did you uh, grow up drinking fluoridated water? I said, I did. I grew up in a big city in Chicago. He said, that's it. Now, I find that interesting because I know fluoridated products are probably good. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute. But this world of ours that we're living in, it seems like bottled water is everywhere. And we've gotten away from drinking out of a tap from the standpoint of fluoride. Is that hurting us that we've shifted to such a scope where we're drinking? I know it's good for hydration, But I'm not sure I'm getting the fluoride that I used to as a kid.
1: Right. And it depends on the bottled water, too, which some bottled water actually has fluoride in it and some doesn't.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've never thought it was in there.
1: Yeah, but I know we can't count on it. Absolutely every bottled water doesn't have fluoride. Some do. Many don't. And so, yes, if you're not getting that little small amount of fluoride that's in your city water, for example, then yeah, you're not getting that extra protection. We used to think actually kind of be was in the teeth. So in formation, but really more research has shown that it's actually more of a topical effect. So by you drinking it kind of on a daily basis that it just, it helps prevent the cavities from forming just by drinking it. So yeah, if you're not having any of that, then you don't you don't get that benefit.
0: Well, but obviously toothpaste and mouthwashes and things that I can use, or if I've got a specific problem, I can seek out something that you've recommended that I can use. Is that not more impactful? I mean, water, I know it's daily, but so is the other practice of brushing teeth multiple times, et cetera, with we hope something that's got fluoride. That's still an important part of those products, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if someone maybe lives in the country, so to speak, and has well water, I I will say you should get your well tested though, because you could still have fluoride naturally occurring in the water. And so some people have had that. We try to get encourage testing first just to make sure if we ever prescribe fluoride or supplementation that we want to make sure they're not getting over fluoridated, but typically if there's a cavity issue, we will prescribe fluoridated rinses or higher strength fluoridated toothpaste to try to combat Mm -hmm. that on a short-term basis.
0: So before we get off of uh, drinks, and we've talked a lot about them, but I think it's good because so many of us are running and gunning like you're talking about, even in your practice when life's back to normal, you're going to be moving real fast. When I see people who maybe have just gotten a teeth cleaning or they're very uh, proactive about the look of their teeth or they've had teeth whitening, et cetera, they're drinking, they still go for a pop they're drinking a soda, but they're using a straw. Does it really make a difference or are you still kind of bathing your teeth in whatever, you, you know, if you're drinking a cola, it's still a cola, whether you, you chug it or whether you use a straw. Does it matter?
1: I think the research is still out on that. It seems like that would be helpful. Oh, it just goes right down my throat. Yeah. You know, it's hardly even going on my teeth anymore, but yet you're still getting it, you know, Get in the tongue, get on the cheeks, gets in the back of the throat, then you're swallowing, pushing that saliva up that has that in there. So I don't think it's a sure bet you can totally prevent that from happening. I know, you know, we have some soda drinkers that try that and they tell me that anecdotally, that it helps. And I, I don't know if I believe that totally yet, but yeah, it's out there as, as a possibility. I mean, it kind of makes sense because then you're not just sipping it right through, but right. I don't think we know for sure yet, Chuck.
0: Well, let's talk about the stuff that you can encourage us all to do that we should be doing, the foods we should be eating to give us good versus bad health and good versus bad teeth. What are some of the, on, the, on your list of things, what should we really concentrate on consuming that's helpful?
1: Well, the typical uh, fruits and vegetables, you know, dried fruits, watch out because, you know, even things like raisins, sticky prunes, things like that can be concentrated sugars. So the grapes would be better than the concentrated dried fruits in my mind. The vegetables are always good, hard, crunchy vegetables. Not only are they good for your body good for your nutritional needs, but also You know, working off some of that plaque and bacteria that's on your teeth as well. So that's a pretty easy one. You know, most people probably think about that, but it's also being, you know, preparing for that. It's like you said, we're so much on the go um, type of society that we're grabbing things all the time. And, you know, cutting up cucumbers and carrots and celery and stuff is that's a little more extra step. But now you can buy those things too in the stores. So just having them on hand is uh, super important. And, You know, really making sure that those are the choices versus grabbing the cookies and things.
0: So, the connection though, whether it's uh, fruit, you know, an apple a day could indeed keep the dentist away. I mean, I don't want to see you. It's just that it, you know, I've always heard it's good for the inside, the fiber and all that, but it's also good for cleaning teeth in a way. It's kind of interesting to me that you would say chomp on celery. That I'm trying to connect that to why it's good, and now I understand from a cleanability standpoint. But it also helps to produce saliva, right? When you're eating these harder fruits and vegetables,
1: absolutely. In you know thinking about that, you're biting into the apple, you're getting that the good sweet thing that you might want. That you're trying to eliminate this straight 30 grams of sugar candy bar and and things like that. But you're getting something sweet. Then you've got the skin on the outside to help absorb the the sugar you know the fibrous things in there. So it's not just a of sugar to your body. And, you know, versus if you were to drink apple juice, which is just the concentrated sugariest part mm-hmm. of the apple. So if you're craving those sweet things, you know, which it's hard, it's definitely hard. We have research that shows that sugar is addictive. And you know, that lights up the part of your brain that gets very stimulated when you have something really good and happy. And so it's hard, it's very hard and getting those substitutes in there like an apple versus, you know, the sweeter things is definitely helpful and can, you know, like you said, just keep the teeth clean just because you're chomping on hard, crunchy things.
0: So let's talk about some of the things that people would think are obvious because of calcium content, although there's calcium in a lot of veggies too, but cheese, milk products, yogurts, good, bad. How do you approach that with evidence-based science?
1: Oh, sure. We need the calcium. There's lots of ways to get calcium. We obviously, I mean, I grew up with the dairy association you know helping me understand that and the cheeses and the milk and the plain yogurts those types of things are good it's it's also we're kind of our own worst enemies sometimes we take milk but then we add chocolate to it and we have chocolate milk and strawberry milk and those types of (laughs) things it makes it you know oh it's yummy and my kids love to eat drink that even more but yet oh you're getting so much sugar and then yogurt you know that's in itself is pretty healthy pretty good for you but then you add a lot of sugar there's a lot of added sugar to it and then yogurt becomes one of those sweet problems (laughs) causing so -hmm. it seems uh crushing sometimes well what am i supposed to what am i supposed to feed my kids what am i supposed to eat myself it's just you know the plainer the better as far as cheeses milks yogurt those types of things that you do want to get the calcium and Phosphates and all that in there, but you also just don't want to have that added sugar. So I really encourage people to read the labels and, and see how much added sugar is in there. I know the um, World Health Organization a few uh, years ago came out with new studies showing that we really only want to have about two percent of our you know sugar in our diet, which was used to be more around ten percent, and so we're down to about six to seven teaspoons of sugar per day for adults so that's even less for kids and if you um, try to accomplish that it's challenging because Mm -hmm. one bottle of soda or one you know candy bars anywhere from 30 to 50 grams of sugar so
2: wow when
1: we're trying to get down to um, you know more 25 grams of sugar per day it's a challenge. So we see it from a dental standpoint. And that's, you know, a lot of people ask, well, why are the dentists asking us all these questions? And why do they want to know about our overall health more? Well, that's why, because sometimes cavities are some of the early indicators of problems to come, like prediabetes, obesity, things like that. So if we can help catch things early on in the teeth, we're hoping that we might be able to um, prevent some of those more chronic illnesses down the road.
0: Well, and do you have conversations then with your patients when you see them that that may be where they're headed? Do you go that deep? Because I know I'll get an oral exam and you're looking around by the tongue and inside the cheeks. I mean, I'm getting a bonus when I go in for a dental cleaning, right? You're really concerned about the health of my mouth. Are you then going to step into territory and say, it looks like maybe you're having too much sugar and it could lead to x? Do you do that in your practice?
1: I do personally. I don't know if everyone does that, but I think that's where dentistry is going. Mm. And, you know, if we can be some of the first responders, so to speak, you know, think of it that way of, wow, this is what we're seeing now. Yeah. Here's, you know, what we don't want to come. If this is doing it to your teeth now, then, you know, then it, it opens the conversation as far as, well, what are you eating? What are you drinking? And, you know, we know the knowledge from the World Health Organization and things like that, that well, here's what we know. And just, we want to be an advocate for you and looking out for your help. And I think a lot of patients appreciate that once they figure out why are we asking that? And like, why, why are you doing this? But mm-hmm. you know, then we're referring people back to their physicians, their dietitians, nutritionists, and really trying to get to some of that root cause of the problem. And just to, you know, really helping out as much as we can. We love to fix the teeth, but we also want to help people prevent, you know, issues in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's great. I I mean, I would appreciate it. I think most people would, although you may be stepping into territory where they all, they kind of (laughs) know what their bad habits are, but it's interesting that it would be touching their oral health and you could observe that. That's interesting. So if we focus on the foods that we know could be bad for you, and again, we're talking about on a maybe a routine basis, not once in a while you grab a bag of chips or, you know, a candy bar, but give us the list of stuff that may seem to make common sense and then explain why these are some. Of the things we may not want to uh, have in our daily diet.
1: Well, I'll just hit on you know one thing that we might not think so much about are some starchy foods, kind of like like the chips or the breads or things. But starchy foods actually just will break down into sugars. So you know crackers and things sometimes we'll find that uh, you know as a cavity causer in my practice we can't figure out why someone has a cavity and you're getting more cavities and you know they really don't have a super high sugary diet is from you know sodas or candy or things like that the obvious ones mm-hmm. and we dig a little deeper and we find out that you know they love to nibble on crackers throughout the day at their desk or something so those you know when you start looking at some of those crackers there's Four or five grams of sugar per serving, and you add that up as far as the nibbling, like we talked about before, is the frequency of getting those types of things. Those end up being cavity causers and that we didn't think about. You know, you would think about, well, I'm not grabbing, you know, a chocolate bar, I'm just grabbing some chips or or some, you know, breads or crackers or whatever. So I just caution on that. And again, everything's in moderation. You don't want to be obsessed about it, but also just being aware of things you might not think about. Um, Like I think you mentioned some canned and frozen vegetables. You would think those would be really good for you, but then they get added sugar into them. So again, being a label reader is super important. You know, the really sticky candies and sweets. One thing that I see are the, um, there's something like a fruit leathers that you can make yourself. I know some of my more kind of holistic patients are trying to find a little, you know, sweets or treats for their kids that are organic. It's, you know, something they make from only fruits, but it's the highly concentrated or dried parts of that that then are very sticky and can lead to cavities. So some of those chewy fruit snacky type things, those things that you think would be good for your kids because they have the word fruit in them, but they end up being just Uh, Having a lot of sugar and really sticky and kind of lodging into in between the teeth and things. So
0: well, and even for adults, right? If we get the sticky, uh, if I come to see you after I had a great piece of taffy, there could be a problem with the filling that I got a while back, right? I mean, you must see that a lot when you get this stuff that's real sticky. It's not going to be great for some adults because they've had some dental work in the past,
1: right? We've definitely put crowns back on that pull off from the you know the sticky (laughs) things Uh, after Halloween tends to be a a bigger time for that or. Actually, it's like two months after Halloween when you put the, um, kind of old Halloween candy in your mouth and start chomping on it. And it's,
2: oh, interesting. you
1: know, we'll dislodge a crown or something. Um, sealants are another thing we didn't really talk about. Those are those like kind of little plastic coatings that go in the grooves of your teeth to prevent decay on the top surfaces of your teeth. Usually it's sealants are placed on the back molars of children to prevent decay during Mm -hmm. their kind of adolescent time. Maybe when they're not making as good of food choices as you want them to do and, uh, those sticky things will pull off sealants too. So that's, you know, we'll see that if, if the habit continues of the sticky sweets and candies and things, then that can pull off the, the sealants as well. So it's, a uh, it's hard, it's hard to keep up with that. And, you know, you definitely want to keep the dental work in place that we're trying to, you know, help
0: So if you think about things that we would call good, I talked about grabbing an an apple, but you may want to grab an orange. It's citrus. We hear about citric acid. We'll, We'll hear about acids that are even put into the carbonated drinks that we're getting. What is it about the acid? Is it truly like, I mean, you think of battery acid, something really dramatic. Is it truly like acid is wearing away at the enamel of our teeth if we're exposed to too much of it?
1: Um, over time it would like something like your gastric acid, like acid reflux or something is very acidic and that can cause erosion mm. on your teeth, which literally kind of looks like melting off the outer layer, like wow. of, of, of your enamel. And you, everybody kind of knows about their enamel. There's enamel, then there's dentin, and then there's the nerve of your tooth inside. So mm-hmm. that habit of like perhaps sipping on really acidic things over time can cause the erosion, like sommeliers, people who wine test your wine, test, they, that can actually cause erosion on their teeth and this wearing away of their enamel. I've had a couple patients who used to suck on lemons and they would literally like wear away the enamel on the front sides of their teeth or where they were sucking on the lemons. And you know, that that's an investigative one to try to figure out what's going on and They don't think about that interesting habit of sucking on lemons that could cause this problems and leads to a lot of sensitivity. Sometimes they'll get a lot of sensitivity before they actually get the enamel wearing away and we can catch it there. But if we don't and we haven't, you know, perhaps haven't seen a a patient for a while or something, then they come back and they've got sensitivity and they're in pain. And we realize, you know, the enamel is actually worn away from something erosive in their diet.
0: Yeah, but we're kind of burying the lead story here. The first question I've got for the person with the lemons, like, why are you sucking on lemons? Are you telling me this is like their their version of chewing on gum? Is that what this is for the people you'll see like that?
1: Uh, You know, it's rare. I've only seen it couple times in my 21 year yeah. career so but it it's out there it's kind of it's like you would think it would be kind of natural to think don't do that because it's so acidic <laughs>
0: yeah. right
1: but you know i don't know people develop these habits and they end up kind of liking right. lemons and and all of a sudden they realize their teeth are are wearing away or have pain.
0: So what about, uh, you know, there's, there's always the good and bad, the yin and the yang. So we are told, you know, you can have a glass of red wine. It's good for your health. It's part of the Mediterranean diet. But yet, there we've t- I think I've used the word or you've used it in this episode, saliva, more than any other episode we've ever had. But alcohol has some interesting connection, again, to saliva production, right?
1: Right. I mean, it, it definitely kind of is a drying effect. Hmm. So a glass of wine, I don't think it, you know, you're know you at a big risk for that. And we know that yeah. studies show that it could be beneficial to your heart. But if you, like I said, if you're a wine taster, a wine <laughs> yeah. sipper all the time, then that could be more erosive to the teeth and get a little staining of the teeth you know some of the dark things like wine teas will stain the teeth even though they might be healthy like green teas and darker teas or things or you know the glass of red wine one of the kind of side effects that you can get is maybe some staining of the teeth but usually that Mm -hmm. can be removed you know if you're a pretty good brush or flosser or at your cleaning checkup appointment where you get that removed and i know that's possible to get it off
0: Well, and and that leads you to some of the other good stuff that, you know, I love blueberries, but I know that if I were going to have blueberries every day, there's a possibility that like coffee or like other things could be leading to staining of the teeth, right? So it's, I think you use the word moderation. I think that's something if we just practice all the time, it's a good idea.
1: Right. And I think that's how you know teeth whitening got so popular too, is just over time, we've all loved our blueberries, our mm-hmm. wine or teas or things and coffees that just will darken teeth over time. And so the whitening process has been popular with people to kind of get some of that away and still want to have their habits at, at the same time um, as they wanted to have their, their teeth be brighter or whiter. But yeah, I mean, again, Moderation, definitely in moderation. And it's it's usually the heavy coffee, tea, drinkers and things that have a lot of stain faster.
0: When I see peroxide listed on a toothpaste or the baking soda with peroxide, are there additives? Is that a marketing thing that's making my brain and me feel better? Or actually, do they have some effect beyond fluoride? I mean, these other things that I see that are maybe a bit more, maybe more cosmetic. I don't know.
1: I think there's a lot of research out there right now trying to figure that out. Are these, you know, is this helpful? Is this natural ingredient helpful? Is this charcoal helpful? Is this peroxide helpful? And there's not a ton of evidence right now showing one way or or the other. Hmm. I have lots of patients who, you know, would tell me over the years that peroxide was their thing and... I understand the effervescence and the bubbly effect and it seemingly would be positive for your mouth, but we don't see that in the research that that's the end-all be-all to the best way to take care of your teeth.
0: You mean they're just adding a little shot on their own, a little sprinkle of peroxide when they're brushing? Is that what you mean?
1: I think so. Yeah. They're actually just uh, yeah, yeah using some of that. So,
0: And then there are also things when we're talking about what's bad for your teeth. Some people develop habits. It could be nail biting. It could be um, chewing on ice. It could be stuff that's maybe more, seems to make sense that we shouldn't do it. But, you know, habits are habits.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I was an ice chewer in my high school days. And I also would clench or grind my teeth. I think I can, thank dental school for that. Helpful added, you know, during stressful times, that's what a lot of people <laughs> yeah. tend to do, a clench or grind their teeth. They're chomping on ice, something almost like coping mechanisms that's interesting, but those can be damaging. And so ice chewers tend to have a little bit more cracks or chips in their teeth mm-hmm. long-term, um, can develop some jaw issues if it's super hard and they're, really chomping away at it. Nail biting. I mean, we definitely see that's an interesting thing. I can usually look at people's front teeth, their lower teeth or their bottom teeth. And I'll think, oh, do they maybe potentially grind their teeth, rub their teeth back and forth or something? And no, not that. But then I, you know, we look down and you can see the nail chewing. Somebody who's a pretty good nail chewer, they usually have a favorite spot on their teeth. And so a tooth or top and bottom, and there's a worn area on their teeth. So then they're Sometimes they'll say, well, I don't like this, how this tooth is wearing doctor, can you fix it? You know, I want a filling there to make it even again with the other tooth. You know, I look at that and I say, well, sure, we can do that. But you're going to bite it right back off if you keep biting your nails or something. So, you know, it's, it's uh, usually going to get to the root cause first, see if we can get them to stop biting your nails and then you can fix the tooth and make it last.
0: So I think there are a lot of morals to what we're talking about, morals to the story here. So in this idea, moderation for all foods is good, but there's really no substitute for good, proper dental hygiene, right?
1: That's true. I mean, and the combination of a low-sugar diet. I think we kind of were taught, or at least I was, that if you brush and floss really well, you won't get cavities. But... I don't think that's true. You have to also moderate your diet. You can't just eat candy bars all day, but brush and floss all day and think you're not going to get cavities because you know, your potential risk is still there. So mm. one doesn't negate the other. It's a both. It's yes and in that situation brushing and flossing and getting that plaque off of your teeth, which is where all the bacteria hangs out, outsides, insides, in between the teeth is super important, not only for preventing cavities, but also preventing gingivitis, the inflammation of the gums. And then that gingivitis left unchecked can get down into that bone level where you start losing bone and have something called periodontitis. So you don't wanna have inflammation in your gums, and you don't really wanna have inflammation in your bone, and so, you know, taking care of your teeth with the brushing and flossing is important, but also a really good healthy diet that has all the vitamins and minerals that you need to, you know, help your immune system fight any inflammation or not cause inflammation. There's lots of studying out there right now about foods that cause inflammation and, and how that can affect your, you know, your gums and your whole body. So trying to be mindful of of the food that goes in that's not inflammatory. Is also important for your teeth and gums, and particularly the bone levels and the you know the gum around your teeth.
0: And see, you've talked about gums a lot, and I don't know. There are people who I know gently brush their gums. I don't mean just by the happenstance because you're brushing your teeth. I've got someone in the family who's every day they, I brush my tongue. I think you're brushing your tongue. Interesting idea that you're you know while you're in there brushing your teeth, it's everywhere. You're going around anywhere. Is there any science to that that we should be thinking about beyond just? What would be typical for most of us, brushing our teeth and flossing?
1: Yes. Brushing your tongue is important too. So Come on. your uh, relative is right there. Wow. Yes, if you, there's actually tongue cleaners and it's more of like kind of like a getting that plaque and bacteria off of there too because, you know, it just sticks. Tongues are so rough and insulated that they just, you know, cracks and crevices everywhere. So it just absorbs and hangs on to that anything that, you know, the bacteria and everything too. Yeah. So if you can get your tongue cleaned off, that's always helpful too.
0: You mean every time I brush my teeth, consider that idea? Yes. Interesting. And what about the gums? Should we use the same toothbrush or would there be some other thing we should be thinking about? Because I, for some, they're using the harder bristle toothbrush already just because they think the firm choice is going to be the one that works it up, you know, better.
1: Yes, that logic would seem to be good. Like, you know, right. you want the hardest brush to like scrub your tires or, your, you know, <laughs> right. and then it's going to get them so clean. But the actual. Bad thing about that is we only recommend soft bristle brushes now. So you can get used to be able to get soft, medium and hard. I don't even know if you can get hard anymore because Mm. we realized that studies showed that that was causing abrasion of the enamel and damage to the teeth. So only soft. Trust me, you can get it clean enough with a soft bristle brush. And if you're splaying out those bristles while you're brushing, you're probably brushing a little too hard. What we're trying to do is get the whole tooth brushed and in order to get the whole tooth brushed, you're going to have to get down right at the gum where the gum and tooth meet. And so you are kind of brushing your gums a little bit, but not hard. You don't want to brush it so hard. It's 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 like the Goldilocks theory of not too hard, not too soft. So you, you need to have push enough to get the plaque off,
2: uh-huh. but
1: not so hard that you're hurting or damaging the gum tissue. So we use something in my office called disclosing solution where we paint up people's teeth. Some people had it done when they were younger, but we actually do it with adults and children because you don't really know Well, how hard is too hard and how soft is too soft. And so being able to find that sweet spot of where you're getting the plaque off your teeth with a firm enough brushing, but not so hard that you're damaging the gums is is important to learn.
0: Yeah. And is the idea, the routines that we've come to know, if we're working through what we would call a typical checkup routine, checkup process, visiting our dentist every six months for a cleaning and for a checkup. And is that a good time for us to switch toothbrushes as well? Is that just a good memory function
1: for us? I think so. Habit is definitely so much of dentistry and health in general is making it a habit and having Mm -hmm. that behavioral you know, pattern in your head of this is what I do before I go to bed. Every night I brush my and floss my teeth and, you know, brush my tongue or, you know, whatever it is that your routine is and getting that habit is really important um, for the long-term success.
0: Well, as we wrap up here, give us a few takeaways as you see it from today's conversation, the the bullet points that rise to the top in your mind of things we should really be thinking about when it comes to our oral health.
1: Well, one thing and maybe I didn't emphasize too much too, is trying to make sure you get a dental expert's advice about your mouth and teeth. I mean, I can give you a bunch of tips right here, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: that, you know, and in preventive situations, and if you can't get to the dentist or something, you know, these are best practices. But so many things start without even knowing. Like, if I can't take pictures or x-rays in between your teeth, then I can't even tell you if a small cavity is starting. And it's always much less painful, much less expensive. If you can get to something when it's small, and so we treat it with a filling, like a cavity, and before all of a sudden this cavity went reached through the enamel, reached through the dentin, and now is to the nerve and giving you a throbbing toothache. So yeah, good point. Getting at least once a year, if not twice. Not everybody needs you know twice a year for a cleaning. Most I would say people do and are in that routine, but there's some people who are just have a super diet have super home care that, you know, I'm going to say it's exception more than the rule, but we see them once a year because they're so great at what they do. And, And for me, that's, that's our jobs as dental coaches, as dentists, you know, like getting people to the point where they can take care of their own teeth themselves, and they're doing a really good job, and they know what to eat well, drink well, and, you know, cleaning their teeth well, then great. You know, you're, you know, you're doing well. Um, Sometimes things creep up in later age, the acid reflux or something like that. So at least yearly, if not biannually to, to be seen and have you know, a thorough examination to just make sure there's nothing going on that you could prevent. So that's one thing. Um, And, you know, just like we keep hitting in moderation, if you're going to have a couple of those sweet things that, you know, Do it with a meal. Try not to make it every day if at all possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when we start analyzing our diets, we realize, wow, I I do have a lot of sugar in my diet. For me, when learning all that World Health Organization information and recommendations, it was a check for me too of like, how much sugar am I really drinking and and eating and, and getting in my diet per day? So, you know, being aware and. And really making an effort to change those habits, it's gonna be a little hard, but it's gonna, you know, help not only your teeth and your gums and all that, but your body too. Diabetes is just on a raging increase in our country. Obesity is as well, you know, we have to rein that in somehow. And if we're getting those little checkpoints along the way, oh, I got cavities, oh, this is happening, you know, I'm gaining more weight, then those are things that we can do yeah. early on to try to change the curve.
0: Well, it's great advice, Dr. Lisa Knowles. Thanks for being with us today. It's great talking with you.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to always advocate for good oral health.
0: And I'm going to try plain yogurt. I'm not going to suck on any lemons, but I'm going to try (laughs) plain yogurt and see if I can, I don't know, it may take me a few weeks to get to like it, but I'll try that over the other stuff. I'm just going to try harder. (laughs) Take good care.
1: All right. Thanks, Chuck.
0: Yeah, Dr. Lisa Knowles, who is uh, on the Michigan Dental Association Board of Trustees and director, a dental director at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. We want to thank you for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast today. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you want to know more, you want to check out this episode previous episodes don't forget you can share them go to a healthier michigan.org slash podcast you can leave reviews there ratings on apple podcast and stitcher and again uh, you can get all your new episodes that you want take them with you when you go bike riding for a walk smartphone tablet whatever works for you be sure to subscribe to us on apple podcast spotify or your favorite podcast app i'm chuck gattica take good care